Welcome to Basketball on Figaro, the only podcast breaking down everything happening with the Lakers, Clippers, and Sparks. I'm your host, Edwin Garcia, and joining me today is my co-host, Darian Vaziri, a.k.a. Dime Dropper. Dime, how you doing, man? Man, I'm excited. We've been teasing this for about a week now. We've collabed on several things, including the winning time uh, spaces the day after the show. But this is the real thing that we're doing consistently. The only podcast talking about every pro team, pro basketball team in L.A. And I'm really excited for it. Yeah, I mean, the, the feelings mutual on this side as well. Obviously, you know, like you said, we, we talked about uh, winning time on Twitter spaces. That's been a blast. And we've been kicking this idea around since like the spring of uh, of this year, you know, right before the NBA playoffs. And we were like, ah, it's just kind of a lot to try to, you know, kick off when, you know, NBA playoffs. It, it's kind of our playoffs as well, you know, right? More attention, focus trying to like, you know, cover both teams as best as we can. So we're like, okay, let, let's maybe, you know, bring this idea back in, in the fall. And now we're here and, you know, I'm just so excited to embark on this journey with you, you know, this is episode zero, and I'm just excited to kind of kick things off. So being that the reason why we're calling it episode zero, at least, at least for me, is just, hey, let's kind of let everyone know who we are. There's going to be some people who watch this who only know you, some people who watch this who only know me, and now they can kind of, okay, let, get to know both, both co-hosts, and then, you know, we can really kick things off with episode one right as the season begins uh, next week. So uh, before we get into kind of the main topics, I thought it'd be good for us to kind of just introduce ourselves and kind of talk about that. So, you know, I'll go first. Uh, my name is Edward Garcia, a.k.a. Ecreates88, like on all social platforms. And I've been covering the Lakers for Silver Screen and Roll for a couple years now. And I've been covering uh, the Sparks for Swish Appeal for a couple years now as well. And I, for me, my journey kind of doing this kind of coverage and stuff started like in 2019. And I really took it seriously in 2020 after, funny enough, after the Lakers won the title, that's when I jumped in, in terms of like coverage of the team. That's when I kind of put my hand in the ring and kind of said, Hey, I think I'm going to kind of go for this. Let me, let me see what happens here. So I, we can even talk about how we know each other and all that. But the funny thing is that I've actually never talked to you about kind of how you got into this and, and why you do what you do. So why, why, why don't you tell the audience and myself, like, how'd you get into this? How'd you end up doing uh, the work that you do now? Yeah, well, just fell in love with the game of basketball, just being born and raised in L.A. And, you know, L.A. dominates basketball. Basketball dominates in L.A., I should say. It's the number one sport. It's not even close. And I got into watching the Clippers and the Lakers every single night. I was a Clipper fan because at the time it was right after Shaq had left and the Lakers had Kobe and a bunch of decent average players to say to be generous. And the Clippers had a really good squad. Elton Brand, Sam Cassell. And that team with the cheaper tickets, it allowed me to go to more games and really got me connected to the team. And so I knew around middle school, high school, I wanted to do something with involving sports or media and definitely basketball. And went to college, went to Cal State Northridge out here in the Valley my first year, then went to the University of Massachusetts Amherst for three years, best years of my life, uh, majored in journalism, graduated during COVID. So it was really hard to get a job at that point. And I just started my own channel, Dime Dropper, to talk about the NBA and its history and how it's evolved, but also to be an L.A. sports content creator. And of course, my top my channel spans all NBA teams in terms of the big picture and the playoffs. I'll talk about every team. But throughout the season, I really have a hyper focus on the Lakers and the Clippers and then occasional other L.A. sports teams when I go to their games and stuff like that when they're in the playoffs. But basketball is really my level of expertise. And then I, because of that, I got the Locked On Clippers job with the Locked On Podcast Network 
That's five days a week um, for the LA Clippers. The only podcast that does that. So that's me right now. Dime Dropper and Locked on Clippers is my consistent work. Yeah, and you know, you've been killing it on there. I love the promos you do there. Uh, you really have a lot of fun with it. And yeah, like you said, it, it's having someone that hyper-focused is really good for the audience to know, okay, I'm not doing all that work. I'm not watching every game or whatever, but this guy is. And that's kind of how I, I describe it to people who don't like uh, know or, or, you know, kind of what my approach is. I kind of look at it like almost like I'm a basketball mechanic where it's like you take your car to the mechanic because they're going to fix the stuff and kind of do that work and you can just enjoy the car. And I think about that with like the Lakers, like I do everything, watch everything, watch every game, write about every game, listen to every pre and post game. That way a, a casual fan can just be like, hey, Edwin, you know, what time's the game or how are they doing? And I'm like, I got, I got all your answers because I'm as locked in as humanly possible. And maybe other people can't do that because they have, you know, kids and jobs and work or, or they're not really locked in as much. I'm like, I'm locked in. So you don't have to be as much. And you can just use me as a resource to be like, okay, let me help you kind of enjoy this even more by giving you the answers. So, you know, yeah, I really like that about, about uh, your approach there. And that's kind of how, why we're doing this, right? Cause you're more on the Clipper side. I'm definitely on the Lakers side. And now we can kind of combine it and have those conversations on, on what's happening there. You know, we talk about being, you know, uh, neighbors in the, in that tunnel there, you know, in that basement there at crypto. So I kind of thought it would be cool to start with the stadium, right? Like our thoughts on um, crypto.com arena used to be called Staples, of course, and kind of what your feeling is there. So um, when, when discussing that, can you tell me for you, when I say crypto.com arena and, and what it means to have your team play in there, what's your feeling about that? You know, this is actually a really interesting question because a lot of Clipper fans are like, we can't get out, can't wait to get out of that hell hole and to share that building and, and all this stuff. And I know the players are excited to get out of there, but for me, man, the Staples center or the crypto.com arena is, is my nostalgic arena. Like being a guy that's, only 25 years old, that's where I went to see my first game. That's where I fell in love with attending NBA games. That's where I saw my first hockey game. You know, that's where I've seen the Kings put up their first two banners, where I've seen Kobe dominate, where I've seen the best years in Clipper history. And, and you know, I always say there's only a couple buildings I know better than Staples Center, my house and my grandma's house. Besides <laughs> that, that's the only buildings I know better than Staples Center because legitimately I have been to that arena so many times, over 100, because – Clipper games are so affordable. I've been to my Laker games here and there. I don't have the number off the top of my head, but I think it's between eight to 15 games in my entire life. But it's where I fell in love with attending NBA games. So it's definitely going to be weird and sad for me personally because I have an emotional attachment to the arena. But for the Clippers team success, and there are certain levels of convenience that we're going to have at Intuit Dome. Of course, the innovations to the stadium, but also not being third priority in terms of scheduling you know that you guys and the kings are always going to be ahead of the clippers in terms of priority especially with the asking to go to a new arena or leaving the staples center so that i'm looking forward to the last thing i'm not looking forward to is having to go on the 405 more to inglewood during games as opposed to the 10 straight shot down easy access to the freeway after the game that is going to be a nightmare because we've seen after sofi how that area can get after right. games so I'm actually on the more sentimental, kind of sad to be leaving side. I also think it's dope that Staples Center has two NBA teams. We're the only building in NBA history to host two NBA teams primarily in their arena. So I think that's awesome. And I think the Staples Center has a great, hardworking staff. And it's going to be an end of an era, man. 25 years sharing the stadium. Yeah, end of an era indeed. And then, you know, you, you throw in, like you said, you throw in the, the Sparks in there and then the Kings in there. Yeah, it's, it's a very special place. For me, the way I describe Crypto.com Arena is it's home. 
You know, like it feels like home for me. That's where my team plays. That's where I, I see the, the the marquee up front back when I had the Staples, you know, center, you know, logo. And even now, every time I see it, like I walk by it and I just a big smile comes to my face. I walk up, you know, uh, head, heading towards the front and and, you know, going to so many I've been in so many Sparks games, uh, a good amount of Laker games as well. And, you know, planning on going on more this year. Yeah, it's home. It just feels to me it's home and kind of like your first home, you know, depending on how you lived your life as a, as a kid, you know, if your family like kind of came up and, and, and improved or moved, right? That first home, you have nostalgia for it, even if technically it might not be the best home you've lived in, it's yours. And that's how I feel. I'm like, crypto is mine. Does it have, you know, the spacing you want? Mm, not really. The location's good. Is it like top amenities? No. Is the billboard and the screen the biggest? No. You know, are the seats the most comfortable? No. But like, it's like, it's home. It's it's there's something beautiful about it. It kind of reminds me of a theater when it's like it's dark and it's red and you see like pictures of all the iconic moments when you walk inside crypto. For those who haven't ever been, you'll see like, you know, Michael Jackson and Lady Gaga and like, you know, the, the Lakers won the title here and here's a picture of it. And, you know, here, here's an image of the, the Sparks winning a title. And like there's just so much history and so many great memories. We'll, we'll get to that maybe in a little bit. But that's how I, I feel about it. Do I think it's the most up-to-date, state-of-the-art stadium? No. The Intuit Dome, in terms of just, like, no emotion, just what's better, obviously, it's going to be better. It's like a new car versus an old car, right? It's going to have the tip-top of everything. Uh, but, yeah, that, that's my relation with crypto. I love it. It's home. Uh, it's Especially for the Lakers, it's, it's really, like, we feel like it's home, even though we're also renting just like you guys are, which people sometimes forget about. <laughs> but it does feel like home. And uh, yeah, I'm happy to be there. But of course, the day will come where, you know, everyone probably eventually leaves it or there's a big remodel, just like there was with the form. I also think, though, Stable Center is underrated in terms of how nice it actually is. I think the seats are in need of a little refurbishing, but I think it's one of the nicer stadiums, too. I mean, it's it was made in 99. So I know we have a couple of these newer stadiums now, like Orlando's and, and Sacramento's Golden One Center. And obviously the Intuit Dome's coming, but there's still a lot of stadiums that were opened up in the 90s and opened up in the 80s some of them and we still have you know madison square garden like even the united yeah. center mid 90s phoenix early 90s they had a lot of remodeling and stuff but the stable center is still i think in the top half i don't have the list in front of me but it's probably in the top half of newer stadiums in the league and it's actually i've been to a couple other ones washington phoenix boston new york and it's funny because of all those stable centers actually the newest one so it's actually the nicest nba <laughs> slam i've ever been to but I haven't been to any of the newer ones. However, I still think Staples Center is very luxurious and it's still very nice. I think outside it's beautiful. I think the Staples Center font and stuff was nicer though, but it's still nice. Yeah. Then on the inside, as you said, it's just so big. You know, that kind of takes your breath away how big it is. And the hallways are nice. And if you go before a game starts, sometimes you can even see a reflection off the floor. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I, I agree with you too with that. And they are making some, you know, updates and amenities they're, they're fixing some of the you know the, the seating especially in like the the, the clubhouse area and those sections so th they're always trying to make adjustments and kind of you know give it a little bit of a refresh it will never be like a new stadium but you know trying to give it the, those updates while they can to kind of keep it modern up to date and i agree with you like i've been to a few a handful of those stadiums you mentioned including the united center back when i used to live in chicago and yeah this is way better than the united center in my opinion it has so much more personality and charm than like the united center to me it's kind of feels kind of Plane. there's just like the trophies in jordan and which is great but like once you see that you're like okay let me get to my seat we're kind of done here and i feel like yeah crypto is the kind of stadium i would like to be in when no one's in and just like explore and like see all the pictures and like walk through every area and even from the nosebleeds to the 100s obviously i think like 
the the PR section down is probably the ideal. But even the nosebleeds, I've, I've had fun being up there. You know, you, you look up and see the banners and like it's a different kind of crowd. They're a little bit rowdier, at least in the Laker games. Uh, so there's a different energy as well. So, yeah, it has a personality. It lives and breathes. And, yeah, it's it's a, it's it's an incredible stadium. And it's our stadium, at least for the rest of this year until we, you know, go our separate ways as you're going to be, like you said, in the Intuit Dome. Uh, so the, the main, let's get right into the main topic here now that we've talked a little bit about the, the stadium that all the three teams play in. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about the the state of all three teams, you know, talking about where are they at right now. So uh, the way I wanted to describe it is, or the way I wanted to ask you rather, is when someone just gives you the opening the question of where are the Clippers right now? What's the era? What's the mode? What's the vibe? How would you go about answering that? Well, there's actually been a lot of jokes about the whole vibe thing. The vibes are amazing. Um, right now, it seems like the Westbrook effect. I sh- actually, I'm going to rephrase that. The Westbrook effect when it's a real ideal situation that fits him and and a, a, a need for someone like that. You know, but look, when you have LeBron on your team, you, you have the leadership, the vocal stuff taken care of. You have that kind of galvanizer guy that's going to make a relationship with everyone on the team and be that kind of guy. And on the court, just control pace, do all those things. The Clippers, they really lacked a vocal guy, a vocal leader, because as Terrence Mann just said when he was on Theo Pinson's podcast, he said, my team is quiet. We need, I need Someone needs to talk. And I think that's very well said. I think Westbrook coming in, he's added this life and energy that we didn't have last training camp. Kawhi's been talking more than ever before, according to all the beat writers <laughs> and everything we're seeing on the Clippers social media. He's making jokes. He's smiling a lot more. I think he just feels better about his body going into this season. And I think that expectation that we had going into last season where everybody was like, Clippers are back fully healthy, Kawhi's back. They got one of the best chances to win the championship. I think everyone's kind of counting the Clippers out now and saying, you know, they can't stay healthy. Westbrook's kind of past it. And I think that is what the Clippers actually need to have a really good season. So right now I'm very optimistic. There's a clearly a one weakness with the team is that our power forward spot is a little on the older side. We're talking about, is Kawhi going to start at the four? Is Terrence Mann going to start there? And we're a little undersized, go smaller. But I think it's being a little over-exaggerated positionless league. You're not going to have a perfect roster. I think the main thing that's kind of clouding everything is the James Harden rumors. It's like, are we going to do this? Are we not? I would love to just move on from this and start the season and see how our team is. And then if we really need something, we can explore. Now, whether that guy is James Harden, uh, I, I, you know, people that know me know how I feel about him. I wonder when his name's going to come up in conversation uh, in our show. But let's just say right now I want the team to stay the same. I like the way our roster is. And I'm feeling optimistic, but I'm not expecting anything from the Clippers because of the health. Okay, cool. That's fair. For me with the Clippers, it's, it's interesting. Oh, well, I'll, I think you've already answered this, but let me ask you formally. Would you say this is the best era of Clippers basketball? We're in it right now? Are you saying the Kawhi Paul era or the Staples Center era? Um, 2022, 2023-2024, is this the best era of Clippers basketball right now? Are we in it right now? We're about to enter it with this season. Uh, probably not. I mean, probably I not. think okay. the best era of Clipper basketball at this point has to be Lob City. It was just consistently okay. 50 wins plus. I think this – if you give you give the this current – Paul George Kawhi era, one more conference finals appearance, then you can say it's that. But yeah, the bar is not too high with the Clippers. But if you make it to the conference finals again, I'll give you the best era. But right now, definitely not better than Lob City. 
Okay, so behind Lob City, and we'll see if they do enough to kind of put it in front. Okay, I think that's fair. Yeah, the Harden thing, we'll we'll, we'll leave it for later. Obviously, as as more of a Clipper hater, I'm 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 enjoying the 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 Harden banter there. But remember, I, I, if I remember correctly, you weren't exactly on board with the Westbrook thing either, and and that right. I think you would say kind of did work out at least last year, right? Like he gave it wasn't his fault the things that resulted. In, he played really hard in the in the playoffs for y'all. I think he was one of the highlights. So. You know, may- maybe the Harden thing, if it does happen, maybe you'll actually turn around and be like, oh, you know what? This guy hustles for us. Uh, also, different bro, environments do different things. That that maybe, I mean, he'd do a lot for us, but hustle, I, I don't know. I've never, I, I can't remember the last time I heard someone say, good hustle, Harden. Like, I can't remember the last time. <laughs> With Russ, though, he still has those moments where he's going to put yeah. on the passion and all that. Yeah, yeah. With, with Russ, it was, uh, with the Lakers, it was a whole different thing. It was match, it was scheme, it was money. There's a whole, a lot of factors on why that didn't work versus, Again, the Clippers is a different situation, so it, it makes sense that it, it's a little bit more of a better fit, you know, financially, the role, uh, what they need him to be, and what they're lacking. Again, it, it's right. not always it's not always about the player; it's about fitting in with what else is around them. And I think with with Russ there, you know, yeah, it seems like it's working out pretty well, and, and there's there's not that much risk involved based on like the, the salary compensation and what what he's being asked versus what he can do. It seems like it's it's something he can do. So, <clears throat> for me and the Lakers. How would describe this era? It's interesting. Well, obviously, it's the LeBron era, right? You talk about Lob City, PG, Kawhi. Right now, we're in the LeBron era. Because anytime LeBron's on your team, it's the LeBron era, period. And then it's just how you're going to describe that era. So we're definitely clearly in the LeBron era. And I would say, you know, with the Lakers, there's just so much rich history. There's no way you would call this the best time because there's so many good times that, like, you know, you you would have to be, like, you know, running four or five championships in a dynasty to, to be the best time. But I'd say it's a good time. It's a time where right now the team's still incredibly relevant, incredibly good, and they just came off a Western Conference Finals appearance. They look like they've gotten better. And what I would warn people who are Laker fans now is, one, appreciate it while it's here, and two, it may be over very soon. We don't know. We know he signed a two-year deal. We know he's got a player option for next year. We know he's 39 years old. So, I mean, he's already defied all logic and you know science at this point. But how much longer? Father time is undefeated, and LeBron can push it off for as many years as he can, but eventually it's going to catch up. It's amazing he hasn't burnt out at this point already, uh, but he's still there. And But how much longer? And also him himself. He's mentioned it for the first time ever last year. He's finally started to mention, hey, like, this might actually end before, like, <laughs> you know, I'm done. So, and he, and he just like Kobe mentioned, I, I would love to ask LeBron, would do you think it's better to burn out or fade away? Because Kobe was very clear, I'm not going to be a role player. When I can't be the guy, I'm done. I don't think LeBron's been asked that, and I'm not sure what his approach is going to be. Is he going to be a guy who plays when he's only dropping 12 coming off the bench? Or is he going to say, no way, if I'm not if I'm not a top two guy, you know, I'm out of there. So I would say for, for Lakers Nation, enjoy it, appreciate it. It's LeBron era. Is it going to result in another title? Obviously, I hope so. I'm not sure. No one knows. But they got a really good shot with the team they have. And that's what we're in right now. We're in the LeBron era. He's got another good shot, probably his second best chance minus the time he actually won it, uh, you know, in 2020. And they they have just about as good a chance as everybody, except for, of course, you know, Denver Nuggets. They're they're the champs, so you got to give them their their credit and put them in front. But after that, I can can definitely make an argument there. There are two or three, and they're definitely, at worst, top four. And they're going to have something to say about who comes out of the West? They're going to play just as much of a factor as anybody. So that's kind of how I would describe uh, the Lakers era. How would you describe it now? Kind of, uh, you know, since you're, you're just as engaged in it as I am. Yeah. I mean, I think it's tough when you have the bar set so high 
with the Lakers, you know, with LeBron coming in for most franchises, LeBron is the greatest thing they've ever seen and stuff. And and you saw that first year when you guys didn't make the playoffs, it was a lot of slander. Like people were like, Oh my God, this guy's everything I thought he was like, you know, cause if you recall when Kobe retired his final game, they had all the legends, you know, on the jumbotron giving their tributes and LeBron was the only person behind besides a Celtic player that got booed by the Laker fans. I mean, I had all my arguments with Laker fans growing up arguing for LeBron against Kobe mm-hmm. so much. So I think that first season was rough. He redeemed himself tenfold by winning the championship and AD. I mean, I think he won Laker fans over quickly. Like mm-hmm. I think all the Laker fans I asked, they have differing opinions on who their favorite players on the team right now. A lot say Anthony Davis, some say LeBron, um, some are saying Austin Reeves these days. He's building his cult following. But a lot of them <laughs> will is. say AD or LeBron. And I think that first – the bubble championship, that really redeemed LeBron in the eyes of, of a lot of Laker fans. And I, it's hard to find Laker fans unless they were more of Kobe fans than Laker fans that, that dislike the guy anymore, you know. He is still put on for the Lakers in some tough times, especially the toughest time, which was Kobe's accident. And to win the championship in such an emotional year was was huge for him. And having the relationship that he had with Kobe, too, I think that really made him more endeared to the Laker fan base. But I also think this past playoffs was a great chance for LeBron and AD to kind of have more signature moments as Lakers because they never even, until game three against Memphis, they never even played in front of a sold-out Laker crowd. I mean, can you believe that? This was their LeBron's fifth year with the team. AD Davis is fourth, and they didn't play a, a, in front of a sold-out Laker crowd till Game Three against Memphis. So I think that in that way, they're starting to build their legacy as Laker as Lakers. Um, and I think you did get better. I echo everything you said, but as far as Laker eras, I'm not gonna like rank it or anything like that. It's tough to compete with. You know, you have a conference finals appearance, a championship, and two years of not making the playoffs with LeBron. And then the one year where you got injured against Phoenix. So this year will be big. I'm very interested to see how it goes. Um, It's interesting to say now that LeBron has now played for the Lakers more years than he played with the Miami Heat. So this has been LeBron's second longest stop in his career, actually, besides his first tenure with the Cavs. So I think that's very interesting as well. And of course, breaking the scoring record in a Laker jersey, that's going to be one of those moments that you look back and Laker fans will say, man, he did that. Kareem and LeBron both did that in the Laker jersey. That's right. Yeah, that was iconic. And uh, yeah, I, I echo all your sentiments there. And I think the other thing, too, is um, LeBron mentioned it, too. He said that, like, they asked him, I think, after he won the title, like, the, the next time at, like, media availability, the next year, like, what have you learned so far being a Laker? Like, it was like his third year or something. He said, what I've learned is Laker fans don't give a damn what you did before. You got to win in that jersey. Because, you know, he kind of was surprised by how much criticism he got. He's like, I've won two rings on two different teams. Like, what are we talking about? And they're like, we don't care. You got to do it in purple and gold. If you don't do it in purple and gold, trash, right? And, and that's the standard that fan base has. We don't care if you've won before. You win here or get out. And L.A. kind of has that, that mentality all across it. Dodgers, Kings, um, L.A. Galaxy, LAFC, the, the, you know, the Rams. It was always like, if you don't win we're going to forget about you really quick because you, we want winners here. So you got to go win. And, you know, LeBron delivered that, like you said, um, in that year, in that 2020 uh, championship, I think that definitely helped a lot. I think, you know, Kobe giving him the stamp of approval helped a lot. And people realized, Hey, 
the only reason you were you hated him was because he's compared to your favorite. Like, if you actually put that aside, I mean, come on. Like, we don't, you know, we don't talk about how good LeBron is. It's, it's very clearly he's one of the best. He's, um, I always tell people he's competing with ghosts. He's, his, his opponent is not, you know, um, you know, Chris Paul or, or uh, you know, Paul George. His opponent is Shaq, Kobe. Michael Jordan. He's competing with legends. He's he's competing with his resume versus the historical resumes of NBA history. So he's on another playing field than just about every other player, minus a few like Giannis who are actually going for like, oh, iconic, historically good. So he's on that level. And, you know, that rubs people the wrong way because those are their heroes. And then they start getting in their feelings about it. But if you just take that away, I mean, come on, he's he's a sensational player. And like you said, he's been a leader. He, I remember that speech he gave when he threw that paper away and was like, I'm just going to speak from the heart about Kobe and stuff like that. I think that was a big moment. Like you said, winning, uh, getting the scoring title was a big moment, getting the championship. And like you said, last year, for all the people who want to throw cold water on that title and stuff, he's like, look, he didn't win it all, but he went out there on the road in Memphis, bodied them. Steph Curry stands, what do you have to say? He went out there, he got the win. You know, he didn't make it all the way, but he made it all the way to the conference finals. So that really put a lot of cold water on people who were saying, oh, yeah, but, you know, asterisk this, and he hasn't done any, was he? what has he done in the jerseys? Like, he took them just about as far as anyone else went besides the actual champion last year. And I think that that greatly helped as well with his legacy and kind of what he's done in that jersey as, as a Laker for as long as he's done it. You think, what are your thoughts on the Clippers, though, from the outsider perspective? Because I've given my thoughts on the Lakers, but what are you thinking about the Clippers? I mean, is it the same, just like if they're healthy, they're good, if they're not? It's going to be a disaster. I, I think they're going to be better than most people think. And I think they're going to be right in the mix. And I think if they're disciplined, and again, health is always a factor. I would not be shocked at all if you tell me at the end of the season, um, yeah, they're a top four team. I'm like, I, I definitely think they have the potential for that. They have the talent for that. Um, and like you said, I, I think not having as many eyes on them is probably better for the Clippers. There isn't this hoopla. There isn't this Battle of LA conversation. There isn't that that pressure it, it kind of, like you said, it kind of feels like they've gotten forgotten and people are just like, oh, Lakers, Giannis, Celtics, you know, are the, how good are the Warriors with CP3? I'm not hearing as much chatter for the Clippers, and I think that's the best for them. Keep it yeah. low-key, keep it chill, rack up 50 wins, and then be healthy and let's go. And I think that's that's the best-case scenario. They're, they're right where they want to be. When they, when they were the front runners and people were talking about it's their title to lose, that's not a situation you want a team that's never won to be in. Because right. that's that's a level of pressure that's unrealistic. You cannot be the title favorite when you've never won the title and your team is just barely getting a star situated. You you can't have that expectation. And, and you know, again, it was a lot of people. It was the players. It was Pat Bev in the Las Vegas casino bragging. It was, you know, ESPN putting that they were, the, they it was their town, Kawhi town, all that stuff. Uh, you know, it, it's not part of the game, but it's also part of the game because it becomes part of the game, right? And Definitely. even though they had success, that's all people remember. No, no, we thought you were going to win the whole thing. You didn't win it, failure. And that's how everything kind of went down. And that's kind of when you uh, <laughs> went viral that one time. Uh, that, yeah. That's actually my first memory of you was like seeing that video. And I was like, oh, man, this guy, is, he, he's, he's losing it over here over this 3-1 uh, this uh, <laughs> deficit. But it was warranted. It was, it was definitely a collapse. There was no excuse. Um, the team was healthy and ready. And, you know, there are reasons why it happened. But it was still an inexcusable for it to happen. But I, th I think the, the Clippers are in a good spot right now. I think they're in a better spot than they were last year at this time. And it I would agree. not shock me at all, like I said, if they're a top four team with 50 wins. I think that's very realistic, barring injury, of course.
All right, cool. So I wanted to get into um, a little bit of our favorite moments now, since again, it's like an episode zero. So we can kind of just, you know, riff a little bit and again, kind of get comfortable before we actually have the basketball that counts coming in. So for you, Dime, who is your favorite Clipper ever? <laughs> I don't even know the answer to this one half the time people ask me. But right now in 2023, this answer could be subject to change. I don't have a clear sure. one, man. I'm not going to lie. I'd have to say Blake Griffin. I think the Chris Paul was the one I liked the most at a certain time. Like, I don't think I've ever loved the Clipper like I loved CP when we had him because I was, you know, growing up, I was playing point guard all the time. So in my high school, in my late middle school days, just I, I guess it was one year middle school, you know, I was really going out there trying to do what CP did and, you know, had his shoes and everything. But Blake Griffin is just, he's my favorite because we drafted him. There was this feeling like I don't care how many times we fail with Blake, but I'm I'm willing to fail with him until he retires. Like like the like Jazz did with Malone or, or with Stockton, I should say, because Malone eventually ended up becoming a Laker, which we try to you know we don't want to mention that, but yeah, <laughs> you know I was willing to to ride with Blake till the very end, uh, watching me get frustrated at him and remembering me getting frustrated at him at various times, but also the highs, the crazy dunks. I mean, Laker fans will remember how electric this guy was. You know, it yeah. felt like even though the beef between Clipper and Laker fans kind of started around Lob City, there was still a level of, you asked Laker fans, they still enjoyed watching Blake Griffin play because it was like, you were going to see something ridiculous. And he did, he never wanted to leave the Clippers. So the tiebreaker between him, him and Chris Paul is two things, him being drafted by the Clippers and him never wanting to leave the Clippers. We did him really dirty with that. And, Man, I, I think he's the best Clipper of all time. By a smidge, it's arguable. There's no clear-cut answer there, but I think he is, and I can't wait till uh, his number goes up at the Intuit Dome because we don't have any retired numbers, and Blake Griffin is absolutely deserving. There's no question about it. Um, who's your favorite Clipper of all time? You know, it's interesting because obviously I'm not as much of a Clipper fan as you at all. So, But when I think about the Clippers and I think about the ones that like I respect them, one, I have a, a, a Blake Griffin story. So I saw him his rookie year. Um, I was living in Chicago at the time, so I watched shoot the Bull. I went to the Bulls uh, Clippers game, and it was early in the season. It was probably like November, you know, and the season starts in October. So he already was obviously making noise, but he wasn't like it wasn't solidified yet. And he was just a monster. It was the dunks he did, like the the crowd. It was like almost a sold out crowd gasping, like like you know, just like it was ridiculous. And it it, it was like a video game. It was like everyone else could barely jump, and he was like tomahawk slam i still remember he did one from the baseline and he dunked it so hard like the ball went like the opposite direction it was like oh my god it's like that can't be worth two points it has to be like five that was like ridiculous and he did that all night you know he dropped like 24 or something and he was just like head over heels athletic over everyone like you know you don't have to watch basketball to know he was good if you just watch five minutes you're like oh the guy who's jumping like <laughs> like 0.5 times more than everyone that's probably the most athletic guy in the court right now so that, that was my Blake Griffin story he was incredible that game uh I'm, I'm pretty sure the Clippers won that one and yeah he was just like he just jumped out to you right away you were like oh my god and it's like oh yeah he's clearly going to be rookie of the year clearly going to be like you know like the Clippers just got themselves like an incredible player and that's my favorite uh kind of um moment with Blake my favorite player I think honestly probably Jamal Crawford because when I think oh, of Jamal I think of him in the Clipper jersey Oh, I he love played for so many that. teams. He played I in so many teams. Game. But when I when I when I picture, if you tell me close your eyes and think of Jamal Crawford, what I think of is him in a Clipper jersey, and then probably second would be in a Bulls jersey. But I think of him in a Clipper jersey the most. And again, he's Mr. Six Man, killer crossover, offensive bucket. You know, great member of the media now that he you know he's in his next phase of his career, and he's not like you know 
trolling or anything. He's just good at his job. And it's like, yeah, uh, I don't know anyone who doesn't like Jamal. Right. Crawford. He's a great guy. He's he's just awesome to have in the NBA community. And when I think of him, I think of him in a Clipper jersey. And that's probably why that makes me him my favorite Clipper kind of in history there. Yeah. That's that's awesome. I'm happy you said that because I remember thinking with Jamal when we got him, I was like, he's played for a lot of uniform. He's played for a lot of franchises, but I would love if he retires. People are like, when Jamal was on the Clippers, he was so good. And that's what it ended yeah. up becoming. And he was older in his career. I thought they were going to say like Lamar Odom or Norm Nixon and troll me with like a dual Laker Clipper. <laughs> Lamar Odom would have been a good. Answer. Yeah, yeah, that would have been a good one. No, no, I was being honest. I was like, yeah, the, probably the one I, when I think of Clipper players that like I, I have fondness for, uh, he's definitely one of them. Now, again, for the Lakers, I'll kick it off here. Kind of what you said, like, you know, you love LeBron, you love Shaq, but, like, there's nothing like having homegrown. And we got one right here with uh, Magic right here, and we got the other one right here with Kobe. And to me, that's always a great debate. Which one are you going to pick? And for me, today, I'm, I'm going with, with Kobe being Bryant. I think he's he's the best one. He's the one who embodied everything. He's the one I grew up with, right? I didn't grow up with magic. I kind of came in at the tail end. So I appreciate, and I, I do all my history work to like know more about him, but I didn't see him night in, night out. He wasn't my guy like that. I, I came in like, oh, that's the guy. I'm like, okay, cool, right? Kobe, like he was like my older brother. He was like the guy like I idolized and like he was older than me growing up and I was seeing his success and his failures and rooting for it and all of that. So there's something special when it's like that and you get like 20 years and, you know, you go through all of it. And then his work ethic and the person he was, I think that's what really makes also Kobe special. Magic, you just know, oh, he's a great business guy. He's charismatic. But like, if you're not <laughs> a great business guy or charismatic, you're like, okay, well, I don't really relate to that. I'm not, I don't have that million dollar smile. But Kobe, the thing that made Kobe special was, as you know, he gave you his heart and he gave you his effort. And he's like, I'm going to give it all every night for you. And then you thought in your life, I can give it my all every night for what I do, whether that's going to school, you're a mechanic, you're a painter, whatever, you can give it all. You can you can have that mama mentality in your life. It's not a special thing. It's just having a hard work ethic and, and giving your all to something that you love. And we can all do that. So I think that's why that Kobe resonates so much more. And then, of course, he's won the five rings. He did all of it. And I love how he was at the end of his career. You know, we would talk so much about these podcasters, especially off the podcast, about these guys act like they're so big and bad, and I would have dropped 60 and this generation. I would have – you never heard – you'll never find a clip of Kobe bad-mouthing Trey Young or bad-mouthing this generation. He just loved basketball. And he's like, this is their story. I'm not going to comment on their story. I had my story. I had my moment. I dominated. I'm done. They're going on. And I love that he was like that. He could have been, you know – Kobe could have jumped on that podcast and just talked crazy, right? Oh, I would have scored 80 on KD. He never bad-mouthed anybody. He's just like, I love the sport. I love the game. I want to share what I love about the game. And I want to be there supporting the new guys. You know, he went to the gym with everyone, KD, Trey Young, Jason Tatum. Like, he never had anything bad to say about anybody. He's just like, I love the game, and I hope the new gen does whatever they do, and I'm here to support them. And I think for all those reasons, uh, that's why uh, Kobe's my favorite Laker. How about you? Who's your favorite Laker? Well, except the refs. I was going to say there was one moment. I don't know if it was Patrick Connor, like his last year. And he was just like, yeah, you know, he was just talking about the, the differences in officiating from when he was young and how much like more physical it was back then. And he was saying how like uh, the flagrants make me nauseous these days. And I was just <laughs> laughing so hard because it's dead serious. You know how Kobe was like so dead serious mm -hmm. about it. But um, Kobe's by far the most influential sports figure of my life. Just growing up in L.A. during his prime, like there was not a day that went by that we didn't argue about him in some way. So, <laughs> and, and everything you said about mama mentality and stuff, like 
weirdly Kobe influenced the way I view basketball so much. Like that's why I'm so anti having someone like James Harden on the team, because like <laughs> if Kobe was your example, like he set the bar so high for me, but it's not just about his brilliance of what, how good he actually was. It's about what he stood for in terms of the way you compete. And I think that's something I've carried with me in life. Like there's certain things that Kobe preached and did most importantly, did he didn't just talk. He did it. Yeah, And that's what uh, resonated with me and, and takes me to having such strong takes about the level you need to reach to win championships, the seriousness, the, the not taking games off and, and risking playing through injury for the fans. Like Kobe was, I mean, sometimes people say he worked too hard, but we respected yeah. him so much. So I'd say Kobe was the most influential, but he's my second favorite Laker. Um, I mean, my channel is called Dime Dropper for a reason. I, I grew up as a, as a pass first guy and I truly... I mean, Magic Johnson, when it comes to watching every player, if I had to pick every single player to watch play basketball in my entire life, and I'd say I could only watch one player in every single game I watch, he has to be involved. Magic would be my choice. Uh, to me, he's my favorite Laker. Um, in terms of pure play style, he's my favorite basketball player of all time, like just in terms of playing style. Uh, I think he's the most influential athlete in the city of LA ever. I think he changed mm. everything about the Laker perception. I think he took them from a very good franchise to a, a global icon, iconic franchise. The Lakers before Magic were not up there with the Celtics. They were up there losing to them in the, in the finals in the 60s over and over. But when Magic came, you beat the Celtics twice out of three finals appearances. It was Lakers and Celtics and then the rest. He changed everything. I mean, the, the Forum Club, the Showtime is the – no matter what anyone wants to say about the, five, uh, the three rings that Kobe and Shaq won and – and the five rings of the Kobe era, there were a lot of lows in the 2000s. Those were not mm -hmm. didn't exist like that in the 80s. I mean, okay, 81, there's a low, you know, and you lose to Houston, but there's, it's in between a title sandwich. Do you know what I'm saying? 80 and 82, right. and he's kept on being successful. So for me, when you think of LA and you think of the Hollywood and the Flash and everything that's associated with the Laker brand, I think Magic Johnson is just the embodiment of it. Like he is a he's Mr. Laker. Like to this day, he's so involved. He's so involved with the community in LA. He's a you know majority owner of the Dodgers or Guggenheim is the majority owner, but he's part of that. Right. Um, LAFC. I mean, he's just got his hands everywhere. Like he's just the Magic Man. I mean, that, that's that's my guy. It's my favorite. So like, if you follow me on Twitter and stuff, like you'll see I go to bat for Magic a lot. Like he is. I just, he's so influential. Like my uncles are Laker fans. They had season tickets at the forum. Um, only for the, his last year when he came back though, from HIV 96, but yeah, 96. Is oh right. man, they got to see him play. And like, it's just different when you hear people talk about that time, the forum, the forum club and what magic meant to the people of Los Angeles. I think he has the biggest influence, but Kobe's right there with him. And as far as greatest Laker, as you said, it's take your pick. I always say it's one, a one B they sit at the same throne, but I do think yeah. for the city, I think magic's impact was was the craziest yeah you make an incredible argument for it so yeah i mean like i like you said it's it's a toss-up and and uh i've i've flip-flopped as well like on the right day i'll say magic most days i'll say kobe but yeah it, it's hard to argue both have like two decades in five rings um and and they and they were great advocates for the city and the team after and obviously magic's still going and, and kobe's passed so his story is kind of ended but yeah ma magic's you know there, there's not too many people's gonna argue with that magic it, at worst is probably the second greatest laker and you know on the right date to the right person he's definitely the first one uh one thing we haven't actually talked about the sparks here so we should probably jump them in uh obviously they're not playing right now so we'll talk a lot less about them you know in these 
first few months of the pod. And as, as we get into their season, we'll talk about them. But the Sparks and being in LA, also being in crypto. Let, let's just talk about um, your uh, favorite Spark player. Let, let's jump on there and then we'll go from there. So so for you, uh, Dime, who's your favorite uh, player who's ever played for the Sparks? Man, I, I think play style wise, I had an affinity towards Candace Parker for a while because she was a point forward. But I got to say Lisa Leslie is my women's basketball goat. Like she was the first WNBA player I ever knew about. She was the star, what, two-time finals MVP. Uh, I mean, she was, was she two-time finals MVP? I believe so. Let me look it up. I'll, I'll got you. Because that's my favorite. I mean, USC as well. My dad went to USC. So Lisa Leslie is my favorite. Um, currently, though, I have to say Jordan Canada, I went to elementary school and played uh, summer camp uh, with her. And so, oh, really? Yeah, yeah. So, it's no surprise to me that Jordan's and the WNBA and having all the success she had, she had professional basketball player written all over her at age nine. Like, she was that good. I want people to understand, like, for these WNBA players that you insult and say, oh, they're not as good as the men and this and that. <laughs> Every kid used to talk trash in the playground at school. But when Jordan Canna was on the court, they'd all shut up because they knew that <laughs> she would bust them up if they said anything. That was the level of, aura she had as a nine-year-old so there's no secret why so i have a fandom towards jordan because she went to school with me but lisa leslie is my goat but how about you that's incredible so what was your question here i got lisa's stats up here uh which one two-time finals mvp so she's got two titles let me see if she's two times finals mvp um yes oh 102 finals mvp yeah two times you're right so yeah for me the answer is kind of funny because, like I said, I cover the team. And I've never said this publicly. It was the first time. But for me, it's NECA. Like, it's NECA Gumake. She's been the face. She's been there yeah. the whole time. Her her jersey's going to hang in the Raptors. She already has the title. And she's kind of going through, like, the in, in the era for the Sparks. It's kind of like a rebuild mode at this point. But I think they're going to have a good chance this year. You know, they, they got they, – their, their money's pretty open. And they have a, a top draft pick. I think they're going to have a, another chance to um, go for it. And in the WNB, there's a lot – it's not – there's a lot of parity, but also if you get the right pieces, you can kind of jump up a little bit quicker than maybe in the NBA. It, unless you get like a home run player like LeBron, it does take quite a few years to get up there. The WNBA can be a little faster if you make the right move for the right player. So I think the Sparks are, they have a good chance, depending on how this offseason goes, they can kind of be back in that mix right now. And yeah, I mean, NECA just had like a career year, 13th year in the league, and she arguably had one of her best years. And Again, same thing. She embodies all the right things. She's the face of the franchise. She knows how to be a leader. She's incredibly intelligent. Every time I talk to Neka, I'm a better basketball observer from that conversation. Whatever it is, it doesn't matter wow. what she talks about. She she gives you just like these gems and you're like, oh, that's I, I never got that perspective. And you're a player at that level. So like I'm understanding it better just from you saying whatever you just said. And again, absolute bucket, absolute leader, has a title. And for me, that's my favorite because she's just been so good. And even through all this, she could have left. She's been a free agent every season. She could have easily left, jumped on one of those super teams. She could have went to Vegas. She could have went to New York. She could have went to Seattle. She could have went anywhere. Anyone in the WNBA would want Nekagumake to be like their franchise player. And they would have paid her the money. Phoenix would have done it. Anyone would have done it. But she's kept opting in because she's like, this is home. This is where I'm at. Went to Stanford. I'm going to rep for this place. Only team I've played for. And yeah, she's she's killed it. So for me, that's that's my um, my absolute favorite. Uh, Jordan Canada is amazing as well. As, as you know, you know, yeah, her handles are just like just ridiculous. Like she just she just got a, a crazy handle. Like when she puts someone on skates, it's always like wow. And and yeah, she's gotten better every year. 
Uh, she's gotten her shot better and she's a great defender. Yeah. Jordan Canada, you know, she's, she, she was up there for most improved this year based on, on how well she played. So she's been fantastic. All right. So let's jump into, we talked a little bit about crypto and our relationship with it. I want to know as a Clippers fan, because I've never actually gone to a Clippers game. So I'm going to have to fix that this really? year. But as a Clippers fan, I've never gone, never you gone. Gotta, no, you got to go one time this season. Come on. I'm, I'm going to go. I'm going to go. We'll, we'll work it out. <laughs> we'll, we'll do a video. <laughs> It'll be fun. But so I don't have an answer for this. But for you as a Clippers fan inside the stadium, inside crypto, what was your favorite moment? <laughs> it's not even close. I mean, you guys, Laker fans know about more than anyone because you guys are the ones that are the leaders of the jokes for all these years. Conference finals virgins. Don't know what it's like to get out of the <laughs> second round. Never made it out of the second round. Why don't you get out of the second round before you start talking? <laughs> that night, we broke the curse. It felt like we were literally cursed, dude. Yeah. To beat Utah. And the team that LA collectively can hate together. I mean, Stockton Malone era, hated him. Darren Williams Boozer era, Lakers used to whoop him. I think there was much more yeah. bitterness for the Malone era because they used to actually beat the Lakers. I can't yeah. stand them either. I can't. In this era, we've played them a good amount of times. To actually beat them and in the fashion in which we did, I always said it would take a Herculean effort for the Clippers to make it out of the second round. It would have to take something out of the ordinary. You're damn right it was. Terrence Mann, 39 points, and that's why he is such a beloved player for me. He's my favorite player on the Clippers, actually, because of that. Like, he really gave me that, and I'm forever indebted. And I know that sounds so lame for Laker fans, but, like, again, <laughs> if anybody should understand, though, it's Laker fans because you made it a point that we had never made it out of the second round, and we were such losers for it. So the fact that we did, now we're joined by some other teams that don't have very good histories as well, like Minnesota, Sacramento Kings, that have never made it out of the conference finals. So now if you say, make it to the finals, like, all right, buddy, we're moving up. So that's my moment. <laughs> yeah. No, that, that's a fair one. I remember that night. Yeah, I was like, oh, my God, they're going to win this thing. I'm like, I don't want to see them win this thing. But they're going to have a good chance. And of course, you, you guys didn't, but you like you said, it, it's baby steps. You, you took you took that. You took that um, just like the Lakers when uh, when a bus said you can no longer say the Celtics have always beaten the Lakers. That, that sentence is eradicated. Same thing for y'all. We cannot say, you know, Western Conference Finals zero. You know, we'll have to say one. And at that point, saying one is lame, so it's dead. <laughs> and as you know, you haven't heard that anymore because there's nothing to say. It's over. So, yeah, that, that's a good moment. Um, for me, from the Lakers' perspective, my favorite moment inside the stadium. Um, I'm trying to think of what my Did you favorite have to be, Oh, you have to be there for it for this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Be okay, inside, okay. yeah. I was going to say, so, game seven against Boston probably would be the best one the Lakers have had. Yeah, I wasn't in there. Right. I've watched, fun fact, I watch, that's the game I've watched the most. It, as you know, it, I know, you, you know you're, you're a dime dropper, you do your history, so you rewatch games all the time. I rewatch games all the time just in general. I try to rewatch every Laker game. Even I watch it live, I watch it after. But Game 7, 2010, I cannot tell you how many times I've watched it. it. It's dozens, dozens, easily. I watch it all the time. I watch it on a day when I'm happy. I watch it on a day when I'm sad. I watch it in the summer. I watch it in the fall. I watch it consistently on my birthday. It's what I do. Especially since COVID happened and we weren't going out, I'm like, I'm eating at home. I put it on. My family just kind of peruses and watches. Then we do something else like watch a movie. I watched I watch it this year. I can tell you right now, breaking news. My my birthday, I will turn on on YouTube <laughs> the Lakers Celtics 2010 game and I'll eat it up every time. I love it. So that's definitely my favorite, like not being there, but being there, you know, honestly, I think it would be I was there on the last night. Um the the stadium was called Staples. And even though people were like laughing about, why do you care? It's just a name. I'm like, it's more than just a name. It's the name. It's the original name of the stadium. It's where we made our memories. And 
uh, it's an era of dying. And being there and kind of uh, seeing the end of it, getting the shirts that said, you know, like the final game and like the commemorating the first time it was there and seeing the presentation they did. For me, that was, that was a special moment. I'm like, it'll never be Staples again. We, we might still call it that and feel like it is, but that era is ending. So for me, it's kind of like a bittersweet melancholy thing. But seeing everyone kind of commemorate the, the, the ending of Staples and kind of thanking it for the memories. For me, that was one of my favorite moments inside the stadium. So for you, as not the most Laker fan out there. What's your favorite moment uh, from the games you did go? Oh, I got one. The The best regular season games I've ever been to. There's two that stand above the rest. One was this past season, double overtime, Kings Clippers, the second highest scoring game in NBA history this past season. That was an amazing Oh, yeah, yeah. And it was also was Westbrook's debut. So there's so much energy in the building that night. But my first one is the only other double overtime game I've been to, and it's a regular season game that every Laker fan remembers. The Sunday afternoon in the lockout season where Ron Artest wound up and gave James Harden one straight to the temple. <laughs> that was such an amazing game because it looked like OKC had had the game in the bag. You have Westbrook, Harden, KD, Pau Gasol, and Kobe Bryant, and the best season of Andrew Bynum where he was the best center in the league, in my opinion, that year because Dwight deal dealt with a lot of injuries. That was the back injury season. That game... In the fourth quarter, dude, Kobe just went to another galaxy. Like, it's just, just classic. Like, you know, this fourth quarter starts and he just starts making everything. One-legged shots going to his left from three. Like, it was insane. It was just insane. But it was very typical of Kobe Bryant <laughs> to do these kind of yeah. things. And, um, yeah, Jordan Hill. And Jordan Hill, that was when he first started c- coming onto the scene and guaranteeing his minutes going forward. But <laughs> that's my moment for sure because – I mean, does it? Can you beat a Kobe takeover double overtime again? Even though I was at the top of the three hundred section against KD, I mean, come on, that's something I'm gonna yeah. tell my kids about. Yeah, I know that. That was that's a, that's a great one to pull from. Yeah, that that was incredible. Yeah, everyone knows that classic moment from our test. Uh, yeah, then it's funny you mentioned it as Harden because you know he might he might be he might be joining the roster pretty soon, but we'll see what happens there. All right, so uh, moving on to the the Sparks inside the stadium. I've been fortunate enough. I've been to pretty much every Sparks game uh, the last couple years. So for me, I think there have been so many good moments and so many bad ones. I would say, hmm, you know, I'll say that uh, I went. I was at uh, one of the games. Uh, I think uh, last year where where I think NECA either tied her career high or topped it, and I think that was special because you could you can kind of see it slowly happening. It was like just like a, like a COVID moment where you're like, oh, they got 15, they got 20, they got 28. Oh, I think I think we're doing something here. Like, so this is a this is not a normal day. And I remember Trudell was on the call, and he he did such a great job calling that game, like he does when he does call Laker games. He calls South Bay Laker games as well. So that one for me was a, a very special moment because you saw just Neca just cooking, cooking, and then getting up to those highs and leading the team to victory. That's my favorite Sparks one. We haven't talked actually about like how much you've gone to games and and how many games you've been to, like. How many have you gone to, and do you have a favorite moment from the ones you've attended? Dude, I'm very embarrassed to say this, but I have actually never been to a Sparks game. Never. Oh, we got to fix that. So you've never no, been to no, Sparks, I haven't been to Clippers. Yeah. We, no, we are fixing that this season. There's no excuses. I'm down to go. I'm actually a pretty big women's basketball advocate. I just have not made it an effort to go. So I gotta, I'm got i going to fix that. Okay, what's your favorite Sparks memory just watching them on TV then? Probably the, the championship that we won with Candace Parker because 2001 and 2002, I was too young. So the one we won with Candace yeah. Parker was probably the one that sticks out for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The 2016 one. Yeah, that, that's a good memory for sure. And okay, cool. We're just about going to wrap it up. But one thing I want to say before we kind of get into the, the final segment here is 
ideally this is kind of the, the flow for uh the podcast uh obviously as we move on it'll be mainly recapping the games that happened and we're going to recap them in the order that they happened. so they'll be brief um one thing that me and you know dime talked about kind of talking to the audience right now which is kind of weird but one thing we talked about is we don't want it to be oh i only like the lakers stuff so here's the the marker oh i only like the clipper stuff here's the marker i'm gonna ignore the rest we want it to be more like a soup than a quilt it's not gonna be segregated it's just gonna all kind of flow and as it flows you're gonna get all the information so it's gonna be a mixture of it and i think today we kind of showed a good balance of yeah it stays on one topic but just for like a minute and then it bounces to the other one so we're gonna generally be doing that going literally by the calendar and saying, okay, last week's games, starting Monday, Lakers played, Clippers played Tuesday, they both played Wednesday, yada, yada, going through that. And then after we recap those games, we'll go over the overarching theme. And that's going to depend based on what we want to talk about, what's happening. It might be about injuries. It might be about load management. It might be about who we think from both teams should be taking the last shot. Or there might be a problem happening with both teams that we're like, hey, this has been coming up. Like, let, let's break it down. Or maybe there's a huge Lakers thing like the you know, I'm not going to put the bad luck out there, but uh, uh, let's just say, uh, you know, LeBron scores 82. So obviously we're going to talk about LeBron's 82 point game because that's historic and that's going to be the main topic. Or the Clippers do something like that where like Kawhi's, you know, scored 40, four nights in a row. And we want to talk about why he's been so dominant. And that's going to kind of overtake the conversation after that. And then after that, we'll, we'll conclude just like we're going to conclude today talking about upcoming games. So for us right now, there aren't that many upcoming games because we're going to do our actual season preview next week. So right now we're still in preseason. We have only a couple. We have the Clippers playing Tuesday, October 17th against Denver, and the Clippers playing Thursday, October 19th, again against Denver. And the Lakers only have one preseason game left happening October 19th versus Phoenix. Uh Dime, I haven't been keep I haven't been as locked in with the, the Clippers and the preseason. How are they gonna how have they been approaching preseason? And how are they gonna approach these last two games, being that they're playing the defending champs uh back to back games here? Would be surprised to I'll be in attendance for both. Uh would be surprised if Kawhi and Paul George play second halves, even Westbrook as well. But first game, they started with Westbrook, Kawhi, Paul George, Zubots, and then everyone knows those four are gonna start. It's about a matter of that fifth starter. Terrence Mann started that game. I'm all aboard the Terrence Mann starting train. Then the last game, they started Robert Covington at the four, and he got four steals and two blocks. They they're saying on Tuesday night it's gonna be Nicholas Batum that starts. But Nico has said he wants a reduced role this year around 20 to 25 minutes. So mm. maybe even 15 to 20. So I don't think he's going to start just based on what he's asking. The The big question mark is on Thursday, does that mean Marcus Morris is going to start? Because every Clipper fan doesn't want Marcus Morris on the team anymore for the most part. <laughs> when I say everyone, I say 90% plus. And it's not even a personal thing with senior as much as it is. Ty Lue just has an affinity towards him. It's very close to him. And last season – he played him when he was just clearly his legs had gone. He wasn't as good as other players that were playing less. Robert Covington, a lot of Laker fans asked me, why isn't he playing? Yeah, good question. I mean, he had 20 plus coaches decision DNPs last year. So that's what people are watching is that fifth starter. But one, if I had to say one thing for people to look at, if you want to look at Clippers preseason, Bones Highland looks awesome. And that's one thing to look forward to is having a young energizer off the bench. But yeah, that's all I got for that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that, that's something I'll be keeping an eye on here, especially Denver seeing, you know, how much they're going to take it seriously. Obviously, again, preseason. Uh, I mean, some people just say nothing matters until the end anyway, but I, I definitely have a different perspective. I'm like, well, it, it, it matters and it doesn't like everything and nothing matters kind of like our lives. Right. Like, does today matter? No, but also it kind of does. And something could happen that makes it like really matter, good or bad. Right. So that's kind of how I look at like 
preseason just like the the day-to-day general it starts to accumulate and it starts to matter um so for me preseason two things mainly matter one is getting getting trying to trying to figure out at least for the beginning what the plan is and like you said lakers are also thinking about that fifth starter i'm thinking it's going to be torian prince I think that's what we'll get. And in the, the final preseason game, that well, we might get the answer, which I think is Torian Prince, but we'll see. They're going to play the Lakers. Uh, Darvin Ham already said they're going to play seriously for three quarters, essentially is what he said. He's like, we're going to play kind of like the regular game for three quarters. And then obviously that fourth quarter probably just rests everybody. And just like you said, LeBron hasn't played past uh, the first half. AD only played past the first half once, and he stopped at the six-minute mark of the third quarter in that game. Every other game, he's kind of stopped, which makes sense, right? Because, again, the main thing about preseason, especially for players like that, you already know Kawhi's good. You know Paul George is good. You know LeBron is good. You know AD is good. All you want them to do is get some of that rust off, get acclimated with your new teammates, and if you're healthy game one, it's a successful preseason. I always said no matter what, preseason training camp, if you get to game one and the injury report is empty or close to empty, you had a good preseason training camp because, hey, you got some work done and nobody's hurt. Perfect. Give me that over anything. And so far for both teams, they can pretty much say that. Jerry Vanderbilt's dealing with a knee issue. We don't know how serious it is. But uh, Jerry Vanderbilt, no no offense to him. He's like a eighth, ninth guy in the rotation. He's not the pivotal thing. It's okay. Like if that's who's hurt, okay, cool. All the other main guys are great, great. Same thing with the Clippers. So, yeah, that that's the main thing. And that's um, – we'll, next time we talk, uh, we'll be actually – getting ready to preview the season. I, I have so many thoughts on that, but we're going to keep that there. Uh, so once again, thank you so much. Episode zero. If you're watching this, you're definitely there at the beginning as we're going to absolutely explode with this podcast as we go on. Uh, but for tonight, that's it. We're done. With episode zero, episode one, we're going to be talking about the big season preview, discussing everything, breaking it down, what our expectations are, what we think maybe the records are going to be in and what that week's going to look like. So uh, thank you so much for listening. I'm Edward Garcia, this is Dime Dropper, and we're out.